welcome to the T2C Podcast. Here are your hosts, a double dose of Tyler and Christian. Welcome back, everybody, to the T2C Podcast. It has been a while, and boy, are we excited for the new season uh, while it's only a few months away. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Tyler Svatinaya. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Suavage underscore. Christian is here with us. You can follow him at Folsom's Facts. And Tybo is also with us. You can follow him at the show's Twitter at T2CFP. And um, man, there's there's been a, quite a quite a bit of news going around. You've got the Deshaun Watson's uh, uh, court case with the NFL and NFLPA is going on today. I guess it's not a court case, but uh, they're uh, talking about suspensions. Um, and we've got uh, uh, Arrowhead Pride uh, throwing out some trade um, just situations with Brandon Ayuk, and there's really nothing going on out uh, in. The NFL today. So as we wait for some news to come in, as we wait for uh, mandatory camps uh, to start, Terry got go paid. Oh, Terry, Terry, scary Terry did get paid. I saw that three years, seventy-one million dollars. That's more than Tyreek. So you can go ahead and suck it uh, as you suck really? down there. In oh Miami. shit! <laughs> three years, seventy-one million dollars. Tyreek got four for seventy-two. Now Tyreek seventy-two is fully guaranteed, uh, but. Scary Terry does get 71, which puts him at roughly 33, 34 mil a year. Uh, so, yeah, suck it, Tyreek. Um, <laughs> oh, commanders. <laughs> uh, but with that said, there's really not much uh, much news out there. So what we thought we would do to kick off the new season uh, as we wait for training camps to start and we are hoping to get out there uh, either individually or as a group and uh, get some YouTube footage up as our stuff is already hitting YouTube. Make sure to go check that out as well. Um, but today we will bring you our most memorable chiefs and NFL moments. And later on in the show, we will also be joined in by some callers who have their own moments they would like to share with us. Um, I think I'll go ahead and start it off uh, for one of my most memorable Chiefs moments. Uh, I, I don't even remember the year, to be honest. It was probably 2012 or so, um, nearing the end of Jamal Charles's prime, most definitely. If I remember correctly, this was probably the last large game Jamal Charles had it. I mean, this was a big game. We played the Raiders, and boy, did he tear it up. All day long, they couldn't stop him. On the ground, in the air, I think we dialed up maybe 17 halfback screens. Jamal Charles goes off. He goes goes off for five touchdowns. It's like 500 total yards or something like that. I was expecting that number to be high, but I was like 17. (laughs) Oh, dude, they threw so many screens that day. It was it. It was somewhere between 15 and 17. It was was just gliding through Raiders that day. Like he was. It was effortless to him that day. (laughs) I'd never seen a more effortless game, and we've seen guys like Randy Moss. Uh, and and Adrian Peterson, who was in the league at that time, uh, obviously guys that we watch highlights of. Of I mean, Dante Hall had been there, but you watch him and Devin Hester, uh, and, you, and you watch highlights of some of the older guys uh, who had been in the league, and uh, obviously the Hall of Fame. Nothing in my life 
had ever looked so effortless. One game was a season highlight for most NFL players. And that just one game, like the most insane thing I've ever seen. And I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it again. I think only Barry Sanders highlights may top that one for me because Jamal Charles, like that's a name that needs to be said with the greats. Like he, for true running backs, averages the best of, of all running backs as far as career yards per carry. So most definitely. I mean, and, and yeah, you're right. Barry Sanders it, as a highlight reel needs to be in there, but I don't think there's a single player who's had a game that makes it look like an entire season highlight. Maybe prime, maybe <laughs> prime. I would say maybe prime, but I never got to watch him in, 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 in real, real time. So I don't know. We're lucky to have people like Jamal Charles at part of chief's history. Uh, but I mean, one of mine goes, goes way back. Uh, it's the, our magical 13 and three season. That was like one of the seasons, you know, I was young, but obviously made me fall in love with the chiefs. You know, I was, we were still, uh, hanging on to season tickets as, as a family back then. Um, cause we, you know, we haven't had a, all our lives. It got too expensive and football got too shitty <laughs> to go to those home games. Um, but, uh, you know, we went uh, 13 and three in the 2003 season. And like Trent was that at the peak of his career, like, you know, Trent Green isn't, you know, the greatest quarterback by any means, but like 2003 Trent Green was peak Trent Green. And uh, this wasn't even a home game out of all the home games I went to that season. This was a, t- a game I vividly remember watching on TV and we were in Green Bay. They still had Brett Favre, um, but Offense was lights out. Defense was iffy, but they came up big in overtime. You know, Morton Anderson with one second left puts us into overtime. First drive of overtime, Green Bay has the ball, and Amon Green uh, runs like an off-tackle or something, and Jerome Woods pops the ball out. And it only takes one play for Trent Green to win us the game. It's a beauty. It's just a bomb. Eddie Kennison streaking down the sideline. I even think it's like a one-handed catch or something like that. There's a sick-ass picture out there of the catch. Like, I would love to have it signed and uh, in in my collection. But it was it was incredible. Like, the whole family was just, like, jumping around in the living room. And it was, like, it was insane. And it was, it, it would, it was kind of in the beginning, like, kind of middle part of the season. And it was, like, really solidified that the, the Chiefs were, were, were big time that season because 13-3 and three is no joke. But obviously, we pissed it away in the playoffs as as we did back then. <laughs> there were a lot of of three win games or three win seasons for quite a few years. You were not wrong about shitty football. We have lived yeah. through it, and look where we are today. I, <laughs> I, I'm reminded by by one game when you want to talk about shitty football years. 2008 was real bad, mm. <laughs> real real bad. Uh, and at this point in time in 2008, I believe it was November, uh, second, uh, yeah, two November 2nd, 2008, uh, we play in Arrowhead and I'm at this game. I think, uh, pretty sure this was my first ever live chiefs game. We, we lived about an hour and a half away from the stadium. Uh, so it made it a little difficult to get there. Uh, cold, cold day. Tyler Thigpen is in, we're playing the bucks. 
and we go we go to overtime. But at this, I don't know how. Shout out Coastal Carolina, real quick. <laughs> yeah, out of Coastal Carolina. Shout out Josh. Shout out Josh. Um, but the most memorable portion of that, I mean, we the Chiefs were in out of the game for a good portion, and out of nowhere, we start to storm back. Um, actually, no, I take that back. We were up for a good portion of the game, um, but it kind of felt like we were out of it as a kid. Um, but Marcus Bradley, I, we haven't remembered that game. Remember that name. You ain't heard it in a while. You ain't heard it in a while. <clears throat> Tyler Thigpen takes a snap, drops back. Marcus Bradley comes around on an end around jet, takes the ball, rolls out far left. And he is wide open for days. He could run for miles if he wanted to. All of a sudden he stops. Oh, what's going on? Everybody starts to everybody at the back, the safeties, the DBs, everybody starts to crouch down. He's going to run. He's going to run. Balls in the air. How far is it going? It's not an awful pass. It's kind of like a Mitch Trubisky pass. And all of a sudden you look 40 yards downfield and Tyler Thigpen with a number four on his back has nobody (laughs) near him for 60 yards, and he is laying out for this thing and somehow just manages to catch it, stumble forward for about three or four yards. I don't think he ended up running it in. Falls down very, very close. One of the most – that is hidden down – deep dark and repressed in my memory because that season was <laughs> a little bit of joy there <laughs> but there is some joy because man Tyler Thigpen was not good but you caught him on the right day and he looked prime he was pretty fast I very fast um for those of you that don't know and the reason I can't talk a lot today is because I'm recovering from a bout of COVID so Please excuse my uh, lack of contributions this week, everybody. But uh, I'm happy to be back. I know I've missed a few episodes and everything, and it's just been a interesting last few weeks for me. But uh, like I said, happy to be back. Um, my favorite memory is similar to kind of what a couple of these guys have already said in regards to like those early 0305 teams. Uh, you know, I I was always a big X Factor Dante Hall fan who wasn't. Um, and those teams were just a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, looking back, um, especially in the year, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what year it was, the year that he was chasing down the kick return for touchdown record that season, which I think was then later broken by Devin Hester only a few seasons later. Uh, but, uh, that was just, it's crazy to say now, but that was just like peak excitement as a Chiefs fan. Like I said, crazy to say now, things have certainly taken a change for the better. But uh, when you were when we were vying for records like that, and Priest Holmes was setting rushing records and stuff, and uh, probably my favorite return from Dante, I believe, was a punt return along a sideline. I think it was against the Broncos, and he just turns the guy inside out and runs it really not that far. It wasn't as far as compared to some of his other returns. I think it was only like 45, 55 yards. Um, so. You know, not as far as a lot of his, which were, you know, full on 80 yard, you know, returns, which of course you're not going to get nearly as many of those now with the rule changes and blah, blah, blah. But uh, anyway, uh, I can't really point to one specific return outside of that one that Dante turned the, the Broncos runner inside out. But um, anybody that watched the Chiefs and, and Dante, the X factor back then remembers it was electric and a lot of fun to watch. 
Yeah, like Dante Hall, just electric is the right word. Like there's nothing the electric X factor if we want to go that far. But like I mean, Jesus, that he made people look stupid. <laughs> Specifically those two Broncos. It is the most popular video of him, like hitting hitting helmets, like the epitome of the type of shiftiness that is Dante Hall. That was um, kind of an underlooked part of my childhood as far as like what made me love Chiefs because like I was an offensive lineman in PB football and I loved watching the run game. Um, but uh, something, something super insignificant and like didn't even matter in the long run because they don't call this penalty anymore. Um, but 2002 season over opener against the Cleveland Browns was probably the craziest ending sequence of a game I've ever seen. And uh, it all was thanks to uh, a fella named Dwayne Rudd for the Cleveland Browns throwing his helmet off after thinking he sacked Trent Green to end the game. Um, He came close. Trent Green, and we were down two points at this point, fourth quarter, end of the game. Trent Green flipped the ball to tackle John Tate and ran, like, to a decent field position, and they get a, a penalty tacked on and an untimed down, but Morton Anderson kicks the field goal uh, at the end of the game because of somebody throwing their helmet off at the, at the end of the game. And you think about like the Minneapolis miracle and Stefan Diggs and, and like there's other examples on hand that I, uh, you know, can't think of right now, but people, take their helmets off all the time on the field now, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty constant. I, I think there's a lot of rules that they probably – or that they easily have phased out. And I think as as long as it's not impeding on a play nowadays, they, they really don't care. I have seen it called before when it's either in the middle of a play or directly right after because you are not supposed to take your helmet off while you're on the field. Um, but typically they don't care if you're coming off the field for a sub, um, or if it's just changed to fourth down, uh, or turnover, something like that, That's or scoring something, something of that sorts. But other than mm-hmm. that, if it's normal play, they'll, they'll give you the flag and, um, you know, piggybacking off of a Browns memory. Uh, I got another one, uh, Browns just a few years after that in 2002, uh, was 2006, December 3rd, uh, in Cleveland. The Chiefs, at this point in time of the season, were actually 7-5. and five. We we weren't really bad. We were uh, contending, and I, I don't remember how the season ended up, but we played the Browns, and it ends up going into overtime. We have the ball first. This uh, this is sudden death. This isn't the the new the new age rules where you can kick a field goal and then you know the other team gets a ball. No, you kick a field goal, game's over. It's over. Yeah, you're done. And we get the ball first. This we got Trent Green. We've got Priest Holmes. We've got Tony G. Uh, I, I mean, you, Eddie Kinnison. Like you, you name it. Or Larry Johnson. Sorry, not Priest Holmes. Larry Johnson. Like pretty decent team that year. And. We go to overtime with the Browns, who are four and eight. Um, and man, so so we we get the ball. It's 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 third down. It's third down. We got to move. And Trent Green drops back, 
and we end up doing some little bubble screen or flat route with Tony G out to the left. And uh, so Trent throws it. He's wide open. He's he's easily going to be able to get the first down. If not, he can go out of bounds, save a little time. There's, you know, they're, they're trying to get it moving. And uh, yeah, uh, or no, sorry, this was before overtime. Uh, we're, tr- we're trying to get down and get a field goal to, to, to lift it or to, to get the win. And Tony gets the ball. He's outside. He takes a step. He takes two steps. Now he's got possession, loses the ball. Nobody touches him, slips out. He's right on the sideline balls on the ground. Defender starts creeping up. He's right there. And Tony's looking at the clock and he's like, Oh man, I have two seconds left. So he dives down to get the ball and tries to roll, roll his body out of bounds. And they're not calling him out because he doesn't have possession of the ball anymore. It's out. So he starts to reach over. He gets his hand on the ball, still not enough possession. And he throws the ball out of bounds as the clock hits zero, go to overtime and lose that game by three. (laughs) Leave it, leave it to the Browns and Tony G. And that's why he's forever an Atlanta Falcon. Mm, Man, that's, (laughs) you're talking about one of my favorite chiefs right there. (laughs) I'm, oh, mine too. <laughs> mine too. He's the one who said it. Don't don't shoot the messenger. That's I, you. You're paraphrasing a little bit. I don't think he did. He he didn't exactly he, say that. He he said verbatim. The Atlanta Falcons made my career on TV. <sighs> well, read it and weep. <laughs> I mean, let's let's get a little more modern here. I know we've we've been reliving the old glory days uh, of shitty football. Um, let's get a little more modern here. Uh, one of my most memorable moments of the modern era, and, and we're not going to cover the Super Bowl. We're not going to do Pat Mahomes getting drafted. Those are too easy. Those are those are simple giveaways, um, and that obviously is recent bias as well. Um, and they're going to be everybody's. I mean, but, I did cry when we won the Super Bowl. Oh, of course. We both cried. We were together. I remember it. Um, but one of the one of the funniest moments of recent history uh, was just after Travis. It was like the season after Travis Kelsey had gotten his big money contract. It was the first his, his first contract after being drafted. Um, it was a year or two after that. And I don't, I don't even remember the game, but I know it was a close situation. And we are driving down. Uh, something happens. Travis is clearly upset, has a few words with the ref, as he always did as a young buck, turns around to Andy Reid, gives him the jerk-off moment, or the the motion, (laughs) points at the referee, turns around and says something back to him. A referee tosses his hat because he's already thrown a penalty on, on Travis. So now Travis has... Two penalties, one of them uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, which the second one will get him tossed out of the game, uh, and and he has to go sit down. But that has to be one of the funniest on-field moments of Chiefs history, and and clearly Travis's history. Just giving a little wanker motion to the referee for just being a wanker. You know, because Kansas City is is smaller market in in media and and you know all sports, regardless. Uh, you know, 
people don't pay attention to us, but that certainly put Travis Kelsey on the map. Like everybody was talking about him after that moment because like, you know, you know, regardless of how good he was and, you know, the stats that he was putting up at the time, people still like to discredit anything Kansas City. So, but, you know, that you put imagine, him on the map. <laughs> could, could you imagine if the podcast today were around back then, like the, the Pat McAfee show or Bussin' with the Boys or, or Barstool, if any of those were, were as big as they, yeah. they are today, could you imagine the absolute PR catastrophe that <laughs> Travis Kelsey, not just from that single moment, but just the catastrophe he would have been uh, if today's media would have been around back then? I don't know. There's probably some good of it, you know. No, no, no media. Is oh, bad. No, it's it is very good that at that point that I'm not maybe not for his own brand, but for the Chiefs, that I'm very lucky. <laughs> uh, I know you mentioned uh, pre-show, uh, a pretty memorable, you know, moment for all of of Kansas City. I think this was a moment that was. Um, cherished and anticipated for a while but eric berry coming back from from cancer yes uh yes. he was just a special player um and that just speaks to his grit his determination his hard work and you know like i i would i think kansas city was the right place for you know stuff like that to happen like we we really cared about the the players that you know make make it special for us make it fun to watch so you know yeah, I think I think portion of that gets lost in like today's media with like especially Tyreek and 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 those sort of situations. But um, yeah, like it, it still is a sentiment today, and even not that long ago, like we, the the fans in this base still very clearly care about the players that are around, and and you don't like I said you don't see it on on Twitter or other social media because it's not filled with fans of the actual base and just a bunch of trolls but yeah that that meant that was that was when i as a football fan realized that like and i we, we were obviously all young all we cared about was playing football and, and watching the chiefs and trying to be an nfl player that's when football became more than football is when yeah. when he was diagnosed with lymphoma and came back and i believe his first game was was the atlanta falcons game in his hometown of atlanta um and and going on i think he had like one or two pick sixes in that game it, it he had his an performance to either win or seal the game at the end it was I, it was to seal the game it was to seal the game at the end he had a pick in in the first quarter to like blow the top off of everything and then he had the pick six to win the game uh or seal it like you said um but like the moment he was diagnosed and we were like, what is going to happen? It wasn't like, when is this guy going to come back and play football? We, every single person who was a Chiefs fan was like, is this dude going to be okay? Mm -hmm. And then to see him be able to fight and come back and then play in that game. And for a few more years after, dude, it wasn't, it wasn't about football. Like that was one of the most special moments as a, as an NFL fan, just period. I think anybody could have. For sure. Well, uh, the one I got left is an even bigger throwback than what we were talking about earlier, or longer throwback, however you want to put it. Um, and I was, I've heard this story from my mom so many times, and I was talking to her about it um, leading up to this show. And uh, 
a kind of another instance um, where you could see how much the the can the fan base cared about uh, one of the players is Derek Thomas and you know the tragedy that happened with him. She like even mentioned like you wanted to talk about a town in mourning. Like there was just a, a different feel across the city. You know when he uh, passed away, uh, rest his soul. Um, I I figured out that you know it happened uh, close to where I live. Like it happened on 152. He was going to the airport. He got in a car accident. I I knew it was a car accident, but I had no idea where it was. And it's just surreal. But um, you know the, the the story is is about you know early '90s uh, Chiefs football before we were kind of known as the loudest stadium. You know, before we, people wanted to give us the credit for being as loud as we were, uh, you know, Kansas City knew about it, but uh, I don't think the world knew about it. I don't think anybody wanted to give us any credit because that's fun to do for some reason. But Derek Thomas uh, called his own sack against John Elway and <laughs> in in Kansas City. And the moment when he puts the safety sign above his head before the play happens, my mom said that's the loudest she'd ever heard Arrowhead Stadium when he puts his hands up. At that moment, she's like, that's the loudest I've ever heard Arrowhead Stadium. And then he goes and gets the sack. It gets to a whole nother level. And she's like, there's not, I've never heard anything like it, even in today's games, all the games that I've been at. There's nothing like that moment when John Elway was picking grass out of his face mask because Derek Thomas just put him in the dirt. Like, that's. That stadium was rocking. Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That was the same game where the referees had to pause the game to ask Arrowhead Stadium to quiet down so that they could play the game. And if not, they were going to throw a penalty on the actual crowd. It, I guess so. I don't even almost I don't for certain even remember. Yeah. I'm almost for certain that was the game that had happened because we had such a rivalry with the Broncos at the time with what, you know, Derek Thomas was going absolutely off and I, I'm sure you've all seen the videos of it, but the, the referees literally stopped the game in the middle of like John Elway's getting ready to hike the ball. And they say, Nope, stop. You guys have to have to quiet down. And if you don't, we're going to throw a penalty on the crowd. Um, and then all of a sudden, right before they start it back up, the crowd goes like 20 octaves higher. And it's so loud in there. And they continue to do it the rest of the rest of the game. I couldn't imagine being a fan at that time and, and NFL refs and, and the NFL are actually trying to quiet down the stadiums. <laughs> they already try to alienate the fan base as it is. Like, oh, my God. Could you imagine not having the loudest stadium in the world? Well, one of the one of the trying to piss off that many movies. drunk <laughs> oh, wild no, fans. I mean, like, that's, <laughs> that's the dumbest idea you can. Those dudes did not leave Arrowhead that night. They slept in the locker room for sure. Oh my god! Well, I think that wraps it up for our Chiefs moments for the T to C pod. So what we're going to do is we've got a few call-ins here that wanted to share their moments with you all as well, and and we really appreciate the listeners coming in and a friend of the show coming in and doing this for us. We're joined by a few fans here. We've got Jacob, Jeffrey, and Cody, who are going to be giving us their most memorable moments as Chiefs fans. As well, we're going to be joined by a friend of the show, Jordan Foote, 
to recount a few of his memories, not only as a fan, but a media member. My name is Jordan Foote. I'm the uh, deputy editor at Arrowhead Report, SI Chiefs. Um, I'm on Twitter at Footnoted. That's F-O-O-T-E noted if you want to hear more ramblings about (laughs) the Chiefs or anything like that. Um, My biggest memorable Chiefs moments, some of them are team-related specifically in terms of things the team accomplished. Some of them are more, you know, personal, and I think that's kind of the journey that everyone goes through from, you know, fanhood to media and everything in between. The first one, the earliest Chiefs memory that truly hit for me, I was, I believe, 11 years old, November of 2010, my very first time going out to Arrowhead Stadium back when there was no GEHA field in between just Arrowhead the Chiefs played the Cardinals that day one I believe it was 31 to 13 I'm almost certain that was the score I'm witnessing that environment witnessing how passionate fans were and how much they truly cared about the team I'd always heard about it I'd always noticed on TV I'd always wore my Chiefs red back in the day as a kid witnessing that in person was truly special and kind of formed the the bond that I'd grow with the team over my childhood and into young adult years as as a high school kid second one this one's memorable it wasn't necessarily good the playoff game against the Tennessee Titans where Marcus Mariota caught his own touchdown pass We were sitting in that section, that corner of the end zone. He flexed at us and pointed at us in the crowd, our general kind of conglomerate of people after he did so. That was when everyone in attendance knew that game was over. Some people started heading for the exits, and Tennessee, I don't even believe, had the lead at that point. Just something that everyone knew it was going downhill. Everyone knew where it was headed. That kind of encapsulated the Alex Smith era of the Chiefs. They were good. They weren't quite good enough. All those bad memories, though, kind of led to the Chiefs' Super Bowl run and winning the Super Bowl. That was obviously memorable for everyone involved. Now that I've transitioned over to the media side, I think just every day is memorable with this franchise, whether you're rooting for it, whether you're covering it, whether you're even opposed to the Chiefs and you don't root for them. It's something special that the NFL doesn't see all that often to have a team hosting so many consecutive AFC championship games, getting to the Super Bowl, having the great young quarterback, having the head coach, having the GM, everything in between. Truly special, truly a great franchise, well-managed, good people, good players. All that's memorable. That's a long-winded answer for what could have been a short kind of three-bullet-point list. Those are my most memorable memories, most big memories regarding the Kansas City Chiefs. Jeffrey and Rachel here. As a Chiefs fan, my most memorable moment had to be the whole season last year. I mean, two games really stick out to me. The Chargers game and the Bills game were absolutely incredible games. I think in the fourth quarter of the Chargers game, where Patrick Mahomes ran around in the pocket out to the right and hits a little floater to CEH for the two-point conversion was one of my favorite moments as a fan. Just the the hype of that game. Going into it, I had so much anticipation, but the actual game itself, man, I just can't get that out of my head. And then you got Travis Kelsey just bobbing and weaving for the game winner. Oh my 
goodness. Hello, this is Jacob Milham. Uh, probably my favorite moment would have to be um, Jamal Charles's huge game against the Denver Broncos when the Chiefs were having absolutely awful season. Um, ended up having like a four and twelve record, I think it was. But in that week seventeen game, they knocked out the Broncos from playoff contention. Um, so like that was, I don't know, it's one of those things. Whenever you could always have the bad year, but if you beat the Broncos or you beat the Raiders, that's always a, a good thing for the season. Um, absolutely record-setting game and really cemented, or it was like the first big step in Jamal Charles's legacy in Kansas City. When I think of one of the most memorable Chiefs moments for me, um, there's one that comes to mind um, pretty often. Uh, it's kind of random, basically a meaningless game. Uh, we're talking about back in 2017, week eight or six and two at the time. Dallas was four and three. Uh, just before halftime, we're trailing 14 to three. Uh, two seconds left. We got about 57 yards to go. Cowboys are playing the Hell Mary. They got about seven guys back, uh, a couple near the goal line. Anyways, Alex Smith takes the snap. Tyreek hits a little slant in the middle of the field, catches it, just lollygags up there, waits for his blocks, and then just outruns everyone. Um, does what he does best, gets in the end zone. We score going into half. Um, at that moment, I just just really just really thought we have something here. Um, this Tyreek guy is a playmaker, and with him and Pat Mahomes coming soon after, um, we were able to win that Super Bowl. Those were the moments from you guys. We appreciate you calling in and being involved in the show. Um, if this is something that you want to take part in throughout the week and we've got something we want your uh, opinion on uh, or thoughts, we will tweet it out. Make sure to jump down in the comments below and let us know, and we will get you most certainly set up for a call in. Uh, but now that we have finished our Chiefs moments, uh, real quickly, there are just a few, just as an NFL fan outside of Chiefs moments that uh, I think all of us probably have um, number one forefront in my mind as just an NFL most memorable moment is when the Vikings were in the playoffs and Adrian Peterson finished the game eight yards shy of breaking the record. He had seven yards to go. He needed one carry as well at that game. Uh, he specifically was, was averaging, uh, five or so yards per carry. He ended the game with two or 300 yards rushing. Absolutely ridiculous. And his face, when he got off, he didn't even get off the field. He got off to the to the sideline, and uh, they, they were moving on to the next round because they had won the game. And the reporter says, Adrian, you were eight yards short. <laughs> And remember that yeah <laughs> his face and, and it's funny because the 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 nfl youtube thing where they like add like they uh, uh um they they take the audio out and then they uh read your lips or lip reading there mm -hmm. we go um uh orange peanut orange peanut um but yeah his face was like it was very confused at the moment. He was like, what are you talking about? And then she goes, no, you are eight yards short from breaking the record and the despair on this man's face. He gives you the fake laugh. He's <laughs> like, I don't want to be here right now because of this situation. Get me out of here. Um, 
but but the way he had played that entire season just to end up eight yards short of breaking the record um, was a fantastic year. But that game specifically was was top notch. I think the only thing notable outside of Kansas City Chiefs football for me is Tom Brady losing in the Super Bowl to Eli Manning <laughs> twice. Two times. <laughs> well, you also can't forget uh, who is uh, the uh, safety. Uh, uh, oh, gosh. Uh, Bernard, who Bernard tore. Pollard. Bernard Pollard, who yeah. tore uh, Tom Brady. You never see, like to see anybody get injured. But that will never leave my memory. And he he did it on different teams. Like, he did it for us, and he did it on uh, Houston, right? Or the Ravens? I think it was the Ravens. Yeah. It was fantastic. It happened, awesome. and he also – I think he also injured Wes Welker once or twice, too. Yeah, a, a few times. That dude knew how to hit. I was very sad to lose that guy. But um, I think another one for me has to – probably the entire season of the NFL where we had the replacement refs, it was really, really bad. Yeah. But obviously, there's the most memorable screw-up call of the NFL's history. It's the, uh, it, it's the game with the Seahawks. And in the Packers, and I don't think anybody can forget this game. Uh, it is a hail mary to the end zone, and the Seahawks uh, from Aaron Rodgers. I don't, I don't remember who the receiver were, was. I think it may the, the the corner may have been Richard. I don't even remember. Um, but they, the the Seahawks DB catches the ball, and the receiver for Green Bay probably Jordy Nelson, I would assume catches the corner and ends up having just giant meaty paws and is able to just get his hands around the ball. And they call a touchdown for the Packers to win the game over the Seahawks. And that will go down in infamy as the replacement refs saying that if you catch the person who catches the ball, it's a catch for you. (laughs) You know, when you said uh, uh, NFL ref screw ups, I thought or I thought you were going to talk about uh, Des Bryant's catch. It's a bad one too, but I also get it at that time. Is like we th- nobody knew what a catch was, dude. <laughs> we finally have it figured out. It was a bad call. Don't get me wrong, but nobody also knew what a catch was. So the the <clears throat> sorry, just trying to save my voice, but the players that were involved in that actual play. I didn't know either, so out of curiosity, I looked it up. Uh, Seattle at the time, rookie quarterback, fun fact, Russell Wilson, to a hair belly pass into the end zone intended for wide receiver Golden Tate. Both Tate and Packers defender M.D. Jennings got their hands on the ball while both players were still in the air. The two officials near the play gave separate signals of touchdown and touchback before ruling the players had simultaneous possession, resulting in a Seahawks game-winning touchdown. So I had him flip flop, but thank you, Christian. That was that's great. Um, yeah, no, I, awful, awful year for the NFL refs. Those dudes should never be allowed to coach Pop Warner football or ref Pop Warner football, let alone anything above that. On the money that damn NFL makes, they should vet these. <laughs> well, they don't vet damn who they're super. who's in now. They're still bad. They're just not that bad. It's just well, it's it shouldn't be it's an excuseless like fault. What the what in the world? Like you should you should know how to ref this damn game. 
You should be able to. Well, don't fault us if there's a memory that you guys have and we didn't. Um, I would love to revisit this again at some time in the future. Just more memories uh, and more call-ins would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, but we also haven't been around. We're all, you know, roughly the same age, about 27 uh, and 28. So uh, we don't remember too much of Derek Thomas. We don't remember too much of the older days. Um, and most of us uh, did, uh, two out of three of us did play football. So we do have some brain injuries around here. And the uh, <laughs> the memory uh, it ain't, ain't that good. So uh, we do thank you for joining us. If there's some memories that we forgot you think should have been put in here, make sure to let us know on Twitter. You can follow me at underscore Suavage underscore. Follow Christian at Folsom's Facts. Make sure to follow Tybo and the show at T2CFP. And make sure to stick around as we go into training camp uh, and preseason and begin the new season of the 2022 NFL with 18 weeks. We'll catch you next time. And as always, go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Oh, 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 oh.